Hey, Sierra Bible Church family, Pastor Jesse here. Glad you could join us online or on demand. It's good to have you uh, wherever you're watching from, whether that's on your device or maybe it's at home uh, or on your computer or your TV. I know many of you have these big screen TVs that I'm on right now. Uh, Some of you have posted those actually uh, online. I've got to see them on Instagram and stuff. It's pretty fun uh, to see that. And it's also very encouraging to see that no matter where you're at, whether you're traveling or uh, you're at home, that you're still tuning in. And that's important, I think, in this season. There are a lot of people who are fearful right now. Uh, They're scared and they're responding out of fear uh, instead of faith. You might be in that boat. And I just want you to know we're praying for you. I want you to know, too, that God's commandment to us is that we wouldn't fear. So it's good to have you. And this morning, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 25. Uh, We're actually now kind of in a second part of Exodus and that we've moved away from Pharaoh. We've moved outside of the grips uh, of Egypt. And now we're going uh, to see this tabernacle and all that's inside the tabernacle, which will eventually become the temple, which will eventually become Jesus, which will eventually become us, uh, which will also become the church as a whole. So stick with me here in a moment. But I just want to let you know uh, a couple things. One, while you're watching uh, right now, uh, premiering at 10 a.m., there are a bunch of people who are in the parking lot uh, worshiping and and singing and hearing the same message that you're hearing uh, right now. But I'm live preaching it to them there. Uh, And we just want to let you know, we've got a lot of room out there. We're working on uh, getting a tent, uh, a big uh, thing for uh, shade out there that we're going to be getting in a couple weeks. And so we've been plugging away to uh, get that ready for you. And then, of course, uh, we've got a lot of new people coming. So a couple things I would ask of you. One, I would ask that you would pray because we want to be a church that welcomes new people. Um, I, I've actually seen online there's a, a, a local guy who is making these shirts that says uh, something along the lines of, go back to the bay. So uh, we recognize that there are locals here who are anti-Bay Area folk, uh, and, and they don't want you here. And I just want to let you know, we want you here. We want you to know Jesus. We want you uh, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. So uh, we wouldn't say go back to the Bay. We'd say come to Sierra uh, Babel Church or, <laughs> or Bible Church, uh, whatever that may be. So just pray for new people as they come in. And those of you who are part of our church, we want to encourage you to develop those relationships uh, with individuals as well. And then um, if you are new, sign up online, sbctrucky.com. Make sure you go there. Uh, we'll get you online. And, and also, uh, if you want to give and support the ministry, which is always uh, needed and encouraged in this season, you can do so online as well. Or you can mail in your checks uh, on the website. You can see our mailing info, uh, or you can drop them by the church. That's okay as well. Um, so here we go this morning. If you're at home <clears throat> with me, and you'd like to go through the process that we go through each week because we honor God's word. Would you stand with me as we read from Exodus chapter 25? And I'm actually just going to gonna do something that's a little different. Uh, well, it's not totally different, really. But I'm going to read the first nine verses. <clears throat> and then I'm just going to highlight a couple things in chapter 25. And I need you to take note that some of this stuff is also covered in chapter 26 and 27. So here's what it says in chapter 25, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses... Speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple, scarlet yarns, fine twine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, 
and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece, this is for the priests, and let them make for me a sanctuary. This is a tabernacle, a tent, uh, that I may dwell. This is the important aspect here I want you to look at this morning, that they, that I may, God says, that I may dwell uh, in their midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern, notice that word pattern, so dwell and pattern uh, of the tabernacle and all of its furniture so you shall make it. Uh, and then it goes on and it tells us what the, the tent will look like, tells us what's going to be in the tent, that there's going to be a table for bread, a golden laps, uh, a lampstand, and then a holy of holies place, a bronze altar, and a few other things. Uh, and so this is so that God would dwell with his people. So let's pray, and then I'll, I'll let you know where we're going this morning. Lord, we ask that you uh, would encompass us right now. We need your hope. We need your surety. We need your salvation. We need your comfort. And Lord, we know that you give it to your people in spades. And so may our hearts be open to you now. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. You may be seated. So here's the title of the message. Home is where Jesus is. Uh, now, I know some people say home is where the heart is. I, I just want to ask you a question. What kind, of, what kind of person are you? So my wife and myself, we're, we're different people, obviously. Uh, she's much better looking than I am. But, but we're different people when it comes to being at home. And then each one of my, our kids is a little different as well. So, for instance, I'm a homebody. For the most part, man, I can stay at home. And if you were to come into my home, if you were to walk into my house, you would have a pretty good idea about what our family is all about. Uh, depending on the day, you might get a, a little bit different feel, uh, meaning, you know, whether the house was clean or not clean. You would see that obviously we have a love for our kids uh, because it, our house is lived in. There are a lot of dishes because uh, every time we have a meal, there's literally six plates, six forks, six whatever, because there's six of us in my family. Uh, you would know that, that I have a love for football. Uh, you would see that uh, through my sound system and stuff that I have a love for uh, an affinity for movies uh, and gathering with my family in movies. You would see also tons of scripture all over the wall in different pictures. You would see pictures of all of my kids in all kinds of different places because we love my children. If you stepped into my home, you would be able to, to learn without ever even talking to me quite a bit. Uh, now, some people, like my wife, she's on the other side. She, she likes being at home sometimes, but really, man, she wants to go on adventures. And, and, and my wife is constantly trying to get me to do things uh, that I don't always want to do because she's an adventurer. And, and I actually had a mentor tell me one time that for my own mental health, I had to say yes to everything my wife told me to do on the adventure end, and uh, I've tried doing that, and sometimes it's been helpful, and sometimes it's been very stressful. But nonetheless, uh, it's a good thing. We want to get out, but we know there's something about being at home. Ultimately, for most of us, home is a safe place. Home is a place that we, we find comfort. It's a place where we find safety. Uh, and what's happening now here, it, remember now, God has, has moved his people out of the, uh, the exodus, away from the bondage of Pharaoh and away from the bondage and the slavery that, that was in Egypt, and he's moving them to a place of freedom uh, within himself. He's teaching his people what it is to be a people of God. He's teaching them who Yahweh is. And, and now, now what God is doing is he's, he's literally making his home amongst his people. What he's doing is he's, he's building his house, if you will, to teach his people who he is, but ultimately he wants them to know, look again at verse 8, that I may dwell with them. So here's my kind of first point. All of us ultimately have a desperate need to be at home. All of us have a desperate need really to, to be with uh, people. Now, when I get up in the morning, 
Some of my kids are awake by the time I come to work, and some of them aren't. Uh, and the other morning, is, you know, before I was preparing for this message, my, my littlest, David, he's three. He actually uh, will be turning four in August. He, he pops out of his bed, and he sees me. And, and, you know, he's just this little guy. He's got big blonde hair, and he's just got more personality than you can deal with. And so he comes running out. And he goes, what are you doing, Dad? Where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to work. And he goes, you're going to work? Yeah, I'm going to work. I got to leave. Oh, I'm cool with that. And then he left. I share that because normally my children want me to be home. And ultimately, as God's people, we want to be in God's presence. See, what happened in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, we lost the presence of God. In fact, here's what's going to be really interesting. When you start to look at this text, and again, because we don't have all the time in the world, we can't look at every single verse and, and look at all of these things in the chapter because we'd be in Exodus for the rest of our lives. But if you pull up a, a diagram of the temple, you'll note that one of the things that God says is that when you enter the temple, you'll enter through the east, the east side. What's interesting about that is when e, in Eden, when, when Adam and Eve sinned and they were cast out of God's presence, they were cast out towards the east side. What we're literally told in Genesis, not only were they cast out to the east side, but that once they were kicked out of the garden on the east side, that, that cherubim angels, these warrior type angels, stood at the gates of Eden and not allowing man to enter back into the garden. And what you're going to see in the temple here, as we describe what the way that this temple has been built, what it tells us about God, what it tells us about being in his home, we'll see that the Holy of Holies is actually guarded from the east side by angels. And what God is telling his people is, you were once exiled, not just from Egypt, not just from Pharaoh, right? It's pointing to something much more cosmic, much more spiritual than just the physical exile. He, he's literally telling his people, do you remember, do you, do you remember echoing back, you were exiled from the presence of God. You were alienated from the presence of God. And now God is starting to show his people that he wants to make his place amongst them. If you will, he's recreating to a certain degree the Garden of Eden amongst his people. And there are a couple things uh, I just want you to hear out loud that in Genesis 3.23 it literally says that the Lord banished man from the garden. And then later, later you'll see that, that, that the, the psalmist David says, my, as the deer pants for flowing water, my soul, it, it, it's pants for you. It desires you. It needs you. And then later, Jesus will literally say that whoever drinks of my water will have this springing well up into life. Our greatest need, this is my first point, our greatest need is to find ourselves back at home with God. That's what we long for. In fact, great theologian Tozer said, our increasing restlessness, listen to this now carefully, our increasing restlessness is caused by being away from God's presence. So again, Tozer reiterates for us that, that ultimately our, our anxieties and our struggles, even the fears that we're dealing with in this season are because we are outside of the Garden of Eden. We're outside of God's presence. So God intervenes, again, as he always does in salvation, he intervenes and he places the, this tabernacle, this tent, by the instruction of Moses. He, what he's doing is he's telling his people, I'm going to live with you. I want to live with you. I want you to be in my home. 
So, so through the description of the tabernacle in the text here, God is showing us what we would learn from him by being inside of his house. So God makes this tabernacle, which is his house. Take note of a couple things. First of all, take note about how, uh, how beautiful everything is in this tabernacle. In fact, the closer you move to God in the tabernacle from the outer gate, what's called the outer gate, to the inner gate, into the Holy of Holies, the material becomes more and more expensive. But here's a couple things I want you to see that are important about being part of God's house. So, so here's the question. Do you want to be part of God's house? What does it mean to be a part of the church? What does it mean to be part of the family of God? First of all, it means that God brings salvation to his people. God brings his salvation to his people. Again, it's to emphasize the grace in the message of Christ that we don't earn our salvation. They're not making the tent because, because they are earning God's presence. The tent is representative of God's presence in the home amongst his people. So here's the first thing we learn. Look at uh, verse, basically verses 1 through 7, which I just read. All of the people, that is, all of the people are to willingly make a contribution to the temple. And the way that it's worded is really interesting. Listen to how God says it in verse 2. Second part of verse 2. From every man whose heart moves him. Now this is really interesting. God doesn't say, okay, listen, I want to make my home among you. But I want you to contribute. That's the first thing he says. I want you to contribute. It's no different than the church today. God wants you to contribute to the growth and the flourishing of his church so that the growth and the flourishing of a community would do well and that people would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. That's the primary goal of the church, to glorify God. And God is most glorified when we become disciples and when other people come to know Jesus. And God is inviting his people into his house. And he's thinking, okay, if you really want to make home home, if you really want to make God home, you need to willingly, not through compulsion, not through guilt, not through earning, you need to contribute to this house. You have to contribute to it. It's no different than with my kids. In order for them to be a part of our home, it's a better home for them when they contribute. We help make them do the dishes, they take out the trash. You know, all of those different little things, they need to contribute to the house of God. Everyone has to buy in. But again, not out of compulsion, but out of willingness, okay? Are you with me? If, if we're going to recognize, if we're going to get back to the Garden of Eden, we have to recognize that we indeed have a part to play inside of God's church and his kingdom. He wants you to contribute. Uh, in fact, uh, just this week, we've got some great donations that are going to help us make the tent available outside for you, somebody outside of their own themselves, outside of their own selfishness, went to their generosity and, and ensured that we would have uh, this tent for you in shade. So that's the kind of stuff. Contribute, serve, help, all of those different things. Here's, here's number two. The, the second thing we learn is, and I want you to, uh, I want you to kind of uh, picture for me the, uh, the ark of uh, the covenant, the tabernacle, what it looked like. First of all, about 150 feet wide, by about 75 feet uh, in, in its other length. And then inside of that, there would be what was called the bronze altar and then the bronze basin. There'd be another curtain that separated uh, a whole nother room. Inside that room would be a table of showbread, a seven-branch lamp stand, an altar of incense, another curtain, and then inside of that is the Holy of Holies where the ark exists. So I don't know if you can 
zoom in. I don't know if, if you can see this, uh, but if you're on your phone and you want to squeeze in, you can see on this piece of paper what the Ark of the Covenant looks like. And if not, you can Google it and you can look it up for yourself so you have an idea uh, of what this major, massive kind of tent looked like. So everyone had to contribute. And again, as you moved through this, this tent, the materials would become more beautiful and more beautiful. It, it, just a side note, some of you might remember John the Baptist's father when he, when he went mute. He, he was mute because he went in to light the incense uh, and, and he, he basically doubted God in that particular moment and he went mute. But this is what the priest would do every so often in entering in. So all that said, everyone's got to buy in. Number two, the first thing anybody would see when they walked into this thing, the first thing when they walked into God's house, the very first thing that they would walk into would be what is called the bronze altar. And the bronze altar was seven and a half feet wide uh, by seven and a half feet. It was a perfect square. And that altar, that altar was used for all of the different offerings that were sacrificed on this particular uh, altar that, that were burned up before God. Burnt offerings, grain offerings, sin offerings, guilt offerings, bulls, goats, sheep, doves, all kinds of offerings were sacrificed on this. There would actually be tables slaughtering tables. And so before you could go any further into the tent, before you could go any further into the home, what, what is being said is you have to have a sacrifice, something that would take the punishment upon itself for you. Your sins would have to be punished onto that animal so you could have access to God. Ultimately, what God is saying is you can't get into my home unless someone else gives you the key to my home. You can't get into the house of God unless atonement is made. And you can't make that atonement. A perfect sacrifice has to make that atonement. And so before the people of God would ever go any further than the temple, before the Holy Holies could even be, be thought of uh, as being approached, you had to make sure that there was a sacrifice made on your behalf. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, Indeed, under the law... Almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So God's letting us know, no bloodshed, no sins forgiven. If your sins aren't forgiven, you're going to die by walking any further into this tent, into God's house. And again, the materials, as you move in, get more and more beautiful. In fact, the Holy of Holies was separated with this thick curtain, again, with cherubim interwoven into the fabric. And only once a year could a priest go in and make a sacrifice to God by sprinkling the blood onto the altar. And if that priest didn't go through the wash basin, which is the bronze basin, or they didn't go through the, the bronze altar and make correct sacrifice, if their heart was wrong in any kind of way, the result would be that that priest would die. And no one could go in and get him. And so they started to strap ropes to the priest's legs that when he went in there, if he fell, the other priest could drag him out. So God's letting us know a couple things. Number one, he's saying, my house is going to be among you. I want my house to be among you, but I am holy and I am so much more beautiful and gracious than you that I'll totally wipe you out if you don't do this thing correctly. That's kind of what he's teaching. Now, now so you've got... You've got, as we go through here, once you go into that Holy of Holies, you have what is called the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. So maybe you've seen this on Indiana Jones, right? It's this big golden box, and it was totally 
layered with gold. It had these angels that arched over it. Inside of the box would have been some of the manna that fell. Uh, The Ten Commandments would be placed inside of this ark uh, as well as Aaron's rod. And, And the thing is with this thing, we're told that if you touch this altar, you die. In fact, you needed special poles. This ties us into kings and stories uh, with David and transporting the ark. It had special poles that you carried it with because if you touched the ark, you would die. Exodus 25, verse 17, same chapter that we're in. Go ahead and jump to verse 17 and look at what uh, God tells them in regards to this mercy seat. You should make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth. You shall make two cherubim of gold, and hammered work you shall make them. The two ends of the mercy seat, make one cherubim at one end, another cherubim at the other end. Of the one piece of the mercy seat, you, you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread its wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces towards one another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim, and you shall... Put the mercy seat on top of the ark. In the ark you shall put the testimony that shall give you. There I will meet with you. Now I want you to take note about God's home. Where does he meet with his people? Not at a judgment seat. Though that's what the people deserve. But instead he meets them at the mercy seat. The place where we recognize that one day God will take our sacrifice. And again, all of this. This great beauty, the ark that, that shows us that God is forgiving, the, the cherubim that shows that God is welcoming us back into his home, the sacrifice that needs to be made on our behalf, this tent, again, is just echoing for us that we want to and we need to, our desperate need is to get back in the Garden of Eden. You know, I know that. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. He drove out man out of the east of the garden, and he placed cherubim there, and the cherubim of a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Which brings me to another portion of what's inside of this is the seven-branched lampstand, which is found in verse 31. This lampstand tells us a couple things about God's house. Number one, the lampstand represents the tree of life that's guarded that we no longer can get to. So we need this tree of life. It's also, just so you know, the only source of light in all of this temple. To show us again that that God is the only light that exists within his own kingdom. He is our light and he is our life. In addition to that, just next to the lampstand above it would sit what was called the table of showbread. And on that table would be seven loaves, I'm sorry, not seven loaves, 12 loaves of bread laid out for each tribe of Israel to show the people that every tribe of God, has a place at God's dinner table, and that ultimately our greatest need and our substance that we need is from God himself that he provides for us. So again, you've got these just beautiful details. I want to encourage you. Go at some point, look on your phone, and look at all of these different things because what God is doing is he's, first of all, he's invading Israel's space and he's encamping and he's making his home right there with the people of Israel. He's invading their space and he's letting them know, this is what it looks like to be part of my house. I'm holy, I'm beautiful, I'm majestic, I'm merciful, I want you to eat with me, I want to be your light, I want to be your bread, I want to be your everything, I want you in my house, I'm going to invade your space. In addition to that, this tent was portable. Now later it will become a temple. 
But right now it's portable because God wants his people to know, wherever you go, I'm going to go with you. So what does this teach us for us? Well, number one, it teaches that God is invading all of the world. He's invading your space. He's invading the church's space. It's, it's telling us that God wants for us to know that he is with us. So, so as we tie to the New Testament, okay, here, here, let me slow down here just for a moment. The whole temple, everything in the temple, everything from the showbread to the, the basin, all, the curtains, all of it, is again just like the law of God in the previous chapters. Everything in this section is about Jesus. Let me share with you, if you would, you should turn here with me to John chapter 1. And this is how Jesus says it in John chapter 1. And you kind of almost need to look at the original language so you can get a grasp and a comprehension of what Jesus is actually saying. In Exodus 25 through 27, you could read this and think it's about this tent, it's about this tabernacle, it's about sacrifice. I don't even know what I want to do with all of that. There's blood in this building. They're, they're, they're sprinkling blood on, a, on, a, on an ark. And, and what is this? And this is what Jesus says this is. John chapter 1 verse 14, 14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Now, if you know how to do Greek at all, just go ahead and look up the word dwell and what you'll see about dwell that word dwelt literally means, the way this actually should read, but because we wouldn't understand it in regular English if we don't look at this close enough, it says what, what God is saying is the word, which is Jesus, came in flesh and tabernacled amongst us. Or another way to say it is he tented amongst us. And because of this, we've seen his glory and we've seen him. What he's saying is what Jesus is saying is, okay, Moses and the people in the Old Testament and Exodus they were exiled from Egypt, but more than anything, they were exiled from the Garden of Eden. You and I were exiled from the Garden of Eden. You and I were exiled from the presence of God. Now God is saying, I want to get you out of that exile. I want to bring the garden back to you. So I'm going to set my tent in your house, and I'm going to tabernacle with, tabernacle with you. Old Testament, you actually have a tent. New Testament, God's presence is no longer in a tent. God's presence is in Jesus and so when we look to Jesus, we see God. Colossians 1.19 says it like this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Another way to read that, Colossians says, For in him all of God is tented inside of Jesus. That's what he's saying. All of God is inside of Jesus. And through Jesus, because of this, we will, he will reconcile what? All things to himself by the blood of his cross. So Jesus is the, the ultimate key that opens up the door of the house of God and the tabernacle in the Old Testament that, that God is setting up through Moses is foreshadowing for his people their need to be back at home. And because of this, what happens now is all of these things that are in Exodus where it talks about we need a high priest, we need a sacrifice, we need a particular building, we need a mercy seat, we need an ark, we need this bread, we, 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 we need a, a tree of life, this branch stand. What happens then is Jesus becomes the high priest so we no longer need a high priest. He becomes the sacrifice, so you don't have to kill any more animals. We don't need a building anymore because the church is the building. We don't need a mercy seat because we have the cross. 
We don't need an ark because Jesus is actually living inside of us. And we don't need the bread, the showbread, because Jesus is our bread. And we don't need the, 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 the tree of, of life and light because Jesus is the tree of life and light. He is the fulfillment of the tabernacle. So in Hebrews 10.9, it says, this is what we need to do. Because, brothers, because of this, we should have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. And, and by a new way of living that he, that Jesus opened up through the curtain that is his flesh, we have a great high priest. Now, this is what it's literally saying. This, this is crazy, okay? In the Old Testament, if you went into this tabernacle, if you went into the presence of God, you didn't do all the right things, you die. But what it's saying is Jesus went through the process. He is the process. He is the tent. He is the tabernacle. He is the presence of God. Now, because of that, we can confidently go to God. We can confidently pray before God. We can confidently be in God's presence. In this season, have you confidently, without shame and without guilt, uh, without anxiety, been able to approach God and pray with him and be with him and sit in his presence? Because what we need is we need Eden. We need God's presence. And God is saying to us, I want to make my home among you. I want you to be in my house and I'll pay the price for it. Augustine says it like this. He says, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. Our hearts are filled with anxiety. Our hearts are filled with fear unless we're in that presence of God that is only found in Jesus. So let, let, me, let me drive this deeper, okay? Because this is crazy. God said, Jesus, you've got a tabernacle, you've got a tent in the Old Testament, and Jesus, he is the tent. And then, and not only is Jesus in the tent, so that is the presence of God is in a tent, the presence of God is in Jesus. Then what Jesus does, he goes even further, and he puts and tabernacles his presence inside of our hearts. You become the tent. You become the tabernacle. Acts chapter 2, he pours his spirit into his people. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells? Remember that word dwell? That God's spirit tabernacles in you? Come on, family, get this here. Moses, Moses had, had God in a building. Then the people when the church is first being born have God inside of Jesus. And now, now in the church, through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, we have God in us. We're the tent. We're the tabernacle. We're the holy ones. This should utterly change your identity. It should change how you respond. You're the building of God. You're the temple of God. There's no more sacrifices to be made. You're the home of God. And wherever you go, the tent of God goes. That is literally, you're walking around and you're taking God's house everywhere you go. You're invading people's space. And that's why sometimes Christians are so persecuted and so brought down upon because when a Christian walks in with the Christian kind of attitude that we should have, the forgiveness and the laughter and the kindness and the graciousness and the I'm not picking sides, but isn't life great and isn't it grand that one day we're going to go to heaven and people start going, get away from me. Why? Because you are not social distancing. You're too close to me. And I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually. People want their social distance. Keep your junk away from me. Keep your God away from me. Keep your Bible away from me. Keep your sin talk away from me. Keep, keep your living a, a pure way away from me. Don't, don't invade my space. But God is saying you, you, you have to be that city on the hill 
You have to be the temple on the hill. You have to be the tabernacle. You've got to shine bright and you've got to invade people's space. And, and, and the reality is that when we do that, we, we will have greater peace and greater presence. Ephesians 2.12 says, remember at one time, you were separated from God. He says, one time, you were alienated, you were kicked out of the garden. You were exiled from the commonwealth of Israel, he says. You literally were an alien. But now, it says, in verse 13 of that passage, Jesus, who was once far off, he has, been brought, he has brought us near by his blood. And now we are members of the household of God. Listen to this passage again from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This, okay, here's what he says. He says, okay, not only are you the temple, he says now, corporately, the church is the temple. And every single one of us, Peter would also tell us later, are like living stones being built up. He says that we, we are a house that's being built, and the house is still being built. More people need to be added to the house of God. The, the kingdom needs to continue to grow. But then listen to what it says here. It says that this house of God was built on the foundation of the apostles, so Matthew and, and, and all those guys who walked with Jesus were built on their house. They're the foundation. The prophets, they're part of the foundation, it says. And Christ is the cornerstone that holds us all together in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together into a dwelling place by God, the Spirit. What does this mean? It means two things. Here's the two main applications I want you to get from the temple, okay? I know there's so much more. There's so much in this. There's so many layers to this. There's so many more beautiful pictures of Jesus in this temple than you could ever think or imagine. But here's the number one thing. Because of your relationship with Jesus, because he has earned your salvation, because he has died on the cross, you will never again be sent away from God's presence. You'll always be part of the house of God. God will not cast you out any longer. He has opened up he has opened up the, the curtain, torn open the veil to invite you back into the Garden of Eden. That you would walk in the cool of day with God and that you would know his peace and his friendship. You will no longer be cast from the presence of God for God has tabernacled in you. He's committed to you, even if you are not totally always committed to him. Here's number two. All this stuff about God moving from, from structure mentioning the 12 tribes at the table with the showbread, to Jesus being amongst his people, to now in the New Testament, you have the birth of the church. We have a call as a church to continue to be the church. Now, Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 says, says, if you remember, I want to dwell among them. It's plural. It's not just individual. It's, it's corporate worship. I know most of you who are watching this or listening to it, you're at home, and we know that that's something that you need to do to keep your family safe for your well-being and for your health or for someone else's health. However, at the end of the day, God has called his church to radically and boldly proclaim the gospel and sing and worship together. Last Sunday, we had a tremendous 
turnout of people who showed up outdoors and and you could sense and feel God's presence and healing because of corporate worship. People poured their hearts out after the service because they needed to. There was something about seeing other people relationally. In fact, Revelation 21.3, which gives us a picture of when the perfect Eden will come, when heaven will come, Revelation 21 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, <clears throat> excuse me, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. It goes on in that chapter and says about God's new temple that's coming, that in this, in this kingdom, in heaven, I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. There's no seven-branch lampstand, for God is the light himself. In fact, later, Revelations would literally say to, uh, to the people of Ephesus that, that, that God's lampstand would be removed, removed from that church if they left their first love and didn't return to the works they did at first. Essentially, what God was saying in Revelation, preparing his people, uh, is he says, listen, listen, you, you Ephesus, this church that was in Ephesus, you, you started out so well, you were doing really good, and something hindered you from continuing to do church well, and you left your first love, and God rebukes him and says, if you don't return back to your first love, I'll remove my lampstand from your presence, from your church. My friends, this is a call for us to understand that God has dwelt and tabernacled in the Old Testament. He has dwelt and tabernacled inside of Jesus. And now he dwells and tabernacles in the church and that we have to go back to being what the church is supposed to be. What that means for you and I is that in light of the coronavirus, in light of, of financial uh, decay, in light of division, in light of politi political differences, in light of your opinions, the church has to get back to the church, and the church has to get back to singing together, worshiping God together, hearing God's voice together, and being out in the community, being a light in the city, in the tabernacle, in the city that we were called to be. We have to return back to the works we did at first so that people will come to know the glory of God. It's time for you and I to start focusing on the gospel more than anything else, to preach the gospel more than anything else, that God desires to reconcile us to himself, that he's given us the key to heaven, that the door is open through Jesus, and we can enter into an eternal home of hope, peace, glory, and love. You're invited into that relationship. I'm invited into that relationship. And I'm invited to be the tabernacle of God, the temple of God, to show others that they can enter in to the kingdom of God and have that same home with God as well. It is amazing to me how God has woven Exodus into the gospel and the gospel into the church and now the church into the world. Old Testament to the New Testament to the church into the world. God's glory is to be praised everywhere. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can gather on these digital devices that we can learn from you, that we can hear from you, and that, God, that our ultimate home is wherever we are because wherever we are, you are. Lord, you are our peace. You are our protection. You are our provision. You are our light. You are our atonement. You are our building. You are our God. We are your people. 
draw us closer to yourself that we may not fear, that we may live a life filled with bearing fruit and goodness, and may we live a life that proclaims goodness to people who don't know you, that they would know you, and that we would live life in such a way that grows us closer to you, that may we become more like you. We trust you for that work, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.